Lord, bless it, bless us, uh, speak to our hearts, and uh, grow us in your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, you know, I, I want to invite you to stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the scriptures for today. <clears throat> Coming from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Hear God's word. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me, my son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall never die. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> the word of God was rare in those days. Did you hear that? The word of God was rare in those days. But the lamp of the Lord had not yet quite gone out. I think that's very poetic of the writer of this text. To say the lamp had not quite gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the temple of the Lord at Shiloh. Uh, this is prior to the building of David's temple in Jerusalem. Um, do you know the backstory of this? Eli is not Samuel's father. Eli is the priest at Shiloh. And it's really good reading. I, I would highly recommend you read 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings. And then you'll have lots of questions about the Bible after you do that. Because most people, most people say they believe in the Bible, but they don't read it. Um, it's, it's true, they don't read it. Um, but it's, it's a good story. Um, Samuel's mother, Hannah, was barren 
like so many stories in the Bible of a, a barren woman longing for children like Sarah, like Rachel, um, like Elizabeth and, uh, and, and others. Um, and so Hannah pray, comes to the temple and prays to God fervently that God would give her a child. And uh, Eli's at the temple. Eli thinks she is drunk because she sounds so crazy. And then she says, I'm not drunk. And he says, you know, the Lord bless you and give you what you want. And then she goes home and she um, is able to conceive and have a child. And she promises to dedicate her child to God. And so after she weans Samuel, she brings him to the temple and gives him to the Lord. And he is, he is brought up at the temple under the care and instruction of Eli. Eli's got two sons, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, I think is their names. And they have become really wicked. Uh, they have really become corrupt uh, Methodist preachers. Oh, I'm sorry, they've become uh, corrupt priests. You know, they've become corrupted by their office. And, and, then, and that's when um, God calls to Samuel. And this is this famous, you've probably heard these, here I am, Lord. We've got songs that are written, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's where these come, is out of this text. We're in the middle of a sermon series that I'm calling, Calling. And this idea is that God is calling you and me. Uh, when I was in seminary in Atlanta, uh, I used to go to 12-step meetings really to find my sanity after a long day in the books and in the academia. Sometimes it was nice to just go to a meeting around normal people, you know, like me. And one of the meetings was at this, um, I think it was like a United Church of Christ church. Uh, it was a really interesting denomination, but... And it was interesting, in Atlanta, in the middle of Atlanta, it had this piece of property that was wooded. And the driveway was like through the woods, and they had worked really hard to make it beautiful, a beautiful setting. And it was so nice to pull onto this piece of property right in the middle of urban Atlanta and just drive through the woods. And then they had these little signs all along the drive that said, God is still speaking. And I didn't know it later, but that was the theme of that denomination. Like ours was open hearts, open minds, or, you know, we've had different iterations of <laughs> trying to brand ourselves or whatever. But I didn't know that at the time. All I knew was after a hard day in seminary, which sometimes you can question a lot of things when you're in seminary, to just drive up this driveway and see these signs that said over and over, I mean, like probably 10 of them as you're driving up, God is still speaking. God is still speaking. God is still speaking. And that raises this question, do you believe that? Do you believe that God is still speaking? That's the idea of this series, is that God is still speaking. God is calling you right now. Yes, you, even you, even me. God is calling you. God is speaking to you. And last week we talked some about that. And, and today the idea is, as you can tell from this text, is sometimes God is speaking to us, but we need help hearing. 
And the sermon's called Hearing But Not Hearing. Samuel was hearing the Lord, but he wasn't hearing. And he needed help, even from a priest who was kind of a failure. You know, he kind of blew it as a dad and a priest. The scriptures don't really hold Eli in a very positive light. But, but even this flawed priest knew how to help a, a young boy hear the voice of God. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. And I would say that the word of the Lord is rare in our day as well. Even though, yes, God is still speaking, maybe I would say it this way, the hearing of the word of the Lord is rare. Even in America, even in the Bible Belt, and dare I say, even amongst believing Christians in the church, it is possible to be very religious and yet not be hearing the, the voice of God. And so I, I think that the word of the Lord is rare. And that's why today's message is very important. And I believe all of these messages that God is going to put before us are so important. Because we live in a culture that is not, that, that its ears are not attuned to listen to God. Even if you will, our Christian culture, if whatever that means. You know, air quotes, Christian culture. Uh, I don't want to get too negative, but I, I, I can really criticize Christian marketing, Christian products, Christian consumerism, and it's sort of the air we breathe in whatever this is. I have wanted sometime now, now all the bookstores are going defunct because of the internet, but uh, I've often wanted to go to a Christian bookstore and watch people who come in desperate, perusing all the shelves for one more book or one more Bible study. I've often wanted to come up to one of them and whisper, what you're looking for, you can't find here. Because what they are wanting is to hear God. And what they're settling for is one more well-packaged writing from another human being. So this is why this is so important. I think that our culture is not really attuned to hearing the voice and the call of God. We are attuned to three things. We are driven by what will lead to success, what will lead to security, and what will lead to happiness. If you think about your parenting and my parenting and this culture's parenting, how much of our energy goes to, hear, to helping the next generation hear God's calling versus how much of our energy goes to helping them be successful in life? And that's that's the swan song of our culture, is success. God is calling us, God is calling us to wonder and to awe, but we settle for a very human version of success. 
and we build and we pour lots of energy into it. Academic success, sports success, um, social success, progress, progress. How are they doing? Measuring them against other uh, standards. We also pursue security. So we, again, nothing wrong with success. I mean, we don't want them to be failures. Nothing wrong with security. I mean, it's a good thing to want to protect and provide for your family and to give them that security. But what happens when a culture is based on a human notion of security? What's funny is we say, I want us to be secure. I want us to live in a good neighborhood. I want us to be in a good school. I want to keep bad people and bad things and bad influences out and away. What that leads to is more and more more enclaves, more and more gated communities, more and bigger walls, and then we don't have any fear at all, right? (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. No. Then you have to live under the fear of the Homeowners Association. A terrible dictatorship indeed. Do you see that our notion of our little, and even on the, on the macro level, it means more and more bombs and bigger bombs and scarier bombs. So why? So God can keep us safe. Is it God that keeps us safe? Or is it us? And at the end of the day, what does it breed? Fear. And I, I know this might sound like a big idea, but this is what happens when the culture cares about success And security and the biggie right now in a blessed culture is I just want my kids to be happy. And a lot of times we mean like David was sharing about his daughter. We want them to discover their calling. I mean, right, like there was a lot of, there is intertwined success and blessing and security and happiness in a lot of the positive things we want for our children. So I know sometimes when we say, I want my kids to be happy, I think what we mean is, I want them to know their purpose and fulfill it. I want them to know their calling, right? But what happens when we, when our ears are only attuned to, well, what will make Samuel happy? I mean, isn't it crazy? Do you really think Hannah or even Eli would have said, please raise Samuel to be a success? I just want to make sure that he does better than all his peers. Please make sure, Samuel, that nothing bad ever happens to him. Wrap him in bubble wrap and, um, and do not let him climb on the high part of the playground equipment. Oh, and for goodness sakes, please help Samuel to just have whatever he wants. Make sure that his desires are fulfilled, that he finds himself, and that he is happy. Is that this story? Is that why this story has continued to inspire? I mean, even, by the way, when when the gospel writers tell the story of Jesus, you know they're just mimicking this story. And Samuel grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and people. Luke steals that line and says it about Jesus. I mean, this story is so profound for for even the telling of the story of Jesus. 
Is it inspiring because it was pointed towards success or security or happiness? No. What was it pointed toward? Hearing the Lord. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He did not know the word of the Lord. He did not know how to hear. He had been dedicated to the Lord. He was literally living in the house of God. He was asleep. He would sleep in God's house. You can't be in a, like, that's like a cocoon. That's a womb, (laughs) right? I mean, you talk about the right place, and yet he still needed help. You and I and everyone that you know, we need help to hear the word of the Lord. Samuel needed help. I told this story before, but it's like this profound story to me. You know, I had uh, didn't finish college because of struggling with life and making mistakes. I was two courses shy of a degree, and I was doing youth ministry because I thought that was what I was called to do, but now I wasn't sure because my life had gotten off the rails. And I was working at Camp Adrian at the Nazarene campground one summer, I was the summer youth worker in Wrens, and we took the kids to this camp, and I was helping run this camp. Um, I was you know, 25 years old, and um, they had camp meeting at night, and when all the worshipers were in there, and we got all the kids in there, during some of the singing, I, y'all don't tell nobody, but I would sneak out and go across the way to the kitchen and get me a cup of coffee, because I had a little problem uh, with coffee. Maybe still do. And so, and as I'm walking to get coffee, I meet Bobby Gale, who's a pastor, and Bobby was doing the same thing. <laughs> so we were both going to get coffee, and he says, Boy, what you doing? And I said, I'm going to get some coffee. He says, Why aren't you in seminary? And I said, Well, I'm, I didn't finish college. I, I failed a couple classes, and I'm, I'm you know, I, I messed up. What happened? I said, Well, I was... And I told him why, and he said, well, it's real simple, son. You just need to pray and say, Lord, I love you, and uh, I, I'm going to paraphrase, I messed up, and I need your forgiveness, and then you need to go back to that little church in Wrens and tell them that you need their support to finish your college degree and go to seminary because the Lord is calling you to ministry. And I said, well, Bobby, I don't, how do I know if I'm called? I don't, you know, how do I know? And, and Bobby said, son, look at this. You're you, you out here, you're doing this, you love it, you're good, you obviously love it, you're obviously good at it, the kids are responding to you, the, the, you know, you're called. And I said, well, I don't, but I don't know if I'm called. And he said, son, you know the story of Samuel and Eli in the Bible? And I said, yeah, and he said, You just consider me Eli. (laughs) The Lord is calling you, son. The Lord's calling you. And then the whole rest of the week, I would have a little gaggle of kids behind me going to the pool or going to the rec field, and and Bobby would ride past me on the golf cart, and he'd say, Hey, Samuel! (laughs) And I'd say, Hey, Eli! 
And I told that story before, and I'll tell it till I die. Because I, I needed someone to speak into my life and say, I see this in you. God, this is God calling you. When I was younger, when I was 15 years old, my daddy, my granddaddy uh, was a preacher, and he died suddenly of a heart attack, and, and his funeral was at Dublin first because he was the associate pastor in retirement there. And, uh, you know, the funeral's amazing. And after the funeral, Jack Key, my boyhood preacher, my Sam Lamback, if you will, you know, my, this preacher that just really ministered to, to me and my family and the whole church so much. Jack had been one of the preachers at the funeral, and he came up to me after the funeral and he said, Tom, you need to think about ministry. You need to think about being a preacher like your granddaddy. It's in your blood. And I thought, this man is crazy. I, you know, but I've never forgotten that, right? He, he spoke something to me before I was even ready to hear. Bobby spoke something to me right when I needed to hear it. And then when I got home the next week and I was sitting in my office, my youth ministry office in Wrens, I get a call from Bobby. And Bobby says, Hi, right, boy, did you sign up for a class yet? And he rode me. I mean, it wasn't just that he said a word to me. He then pestered me all the way to finishing my degree and even gave me some money to help pay for, for Candler, which he wouldn't want me to tell you all that. I mean, like, this is helping me hear the word of the Lord. And I know these are preacher stories, and I don't like doing that because it's like calling is way more than just ordained ministry. In fact, I would say your calling is as significant or maybe more significant than the sort of like, ooh, he's called to be a preacher. Well, okay, great, but what if you're called to be a biologist or, you know, what I can't remember what your daughter is, but, you know, th what if your calling is there that is so needed and so significant? So we all need help hearing the word of the Lord. Do you all know Paul, Timothy, and Barnabas? If you know your New Testament, Paul is this apostle. Oh, by the way, Paul met Jesus, and then God sent Ananias to help him. Even Paul needed an Ananias to come and say, God love." I mean, he met Jesus, but that wasn't enough. <laughs> Jesus knew it wasn't enough. Jesus knew Paul needed Ananias to stick up for him and to pray for him and to, to, to give him a, 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 a boost. And then later, Paul chose Timothy and, as a son in the faith. And so Paul, everybody, I, I've heard it said this way, everybody needs a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas in their life. So we all need a Paul, somebody who mentors us like Timothy had, like Bobby Gale was to me and so many others. We all need a Timothy in our life because it's not, you're not, not meant to be a pond, you're meant to be a river. There should be inflow and outflow. And so you are meant to help someone else say, I think, how are you hearing God? I think God may be speaking to you. And then who is Barnabas? The word Barnabas literally means son of encouragement. He got named son of encouragement. Like that was his nickname because he was so dang encouraging. He was just so encouraging. And he encouraged, Paul and Barnabas were a team, and they were so, like, they, they, Barnabas stuck up for Paul, Paul stuck up for Barnabas. So we all need someone who's ahead of us, 
someone who's behind us, and then we need someone who's walking arm in arm with us. As an aside, do y'all know Paul and Barnabas had a breakup? Do y'all know this? Like I said, people don't read their Bible. It's, they hide this stuff in the Bible, like because they don't want you to get this to get out. Barnabas is this encourager, right? But Paul got mad at Barnabas. You know why? Because Paul got mad at somebody named John Mark. You might know him as just Mark. You ever heard of him? Yeah, he, he wrote something. Well, Paul got mad at John Mark because John Mark, I think, got a little chicken or coward or something. He, he kind of blew it. And Paul said, he can't come with me. Uh-uh. He's not going on my next missionary trip. No way. I can't depend on him. And then you know what Barnabas did? He can't help it. He's a son of encouragement. He said, ah, oh, no, come on, give him another chance. Give him another chance. Come on, come on. And Paul's like, no, I mean, I'm not, you know, I forgive him, I love him, but he's not going with me. And then Barnabas said, he's going with me. And Paul and Barnabas actually broke up over Barnabas saying, Mark is going to be my Timothy. And later he wrote the Gospel of Mark, right? I mean, like, even Paul gets it wrong, I think, and then Barnabas gets it right. This is so human, but this is all in the Bible. Why is the point of me telling you this? Because some of you, you might be feeling like you're a John Mark, that you've blown it, but God is still calling you. God is speaking to you. God has a purpose for you. And there will be people in your life who say, you know what? I'm done with them. But there will be people in your life that will come along and say, I believe in you. And let me flip it the other way. Because in a room this size, some of you may be right now wondering, am I going to be the person who helps point them to, to hear the word of God or not? And I hope that you'll be like a Barnabas to somebody who may feel defeated because God is still speaking. Samuel went and um, he said, here I am, your servant is listening. And God spoke to Samuel and you know what he told him? He told him that things were going to get real bad for Eli and his sons. And so then the next day, Samuel goes up to Eli, and Eli says, what did the Lord say? And Samuel told him, and this is to Eli's credit, because he heard, he heard like really bad news about, about him and his sons. But Samuel said, the Lord is, is judging you and your sons because of wickedness. And do you know what Eli said to Samuel? Yep, that's the Lord. He affirmed that Samuel was listening, that, that the voice, that, that, sound, yep, that sounds like the Lord to me. So as we land today, the invitation for you and for me is, I, I want all of you to hear the voice of God. But y'all know as well as I do, People that hear the voice of God all by themselves, they're typically crazy. <laughs> you know, like, like when we try to listen to God in ice, solitude is not isolation. We need solitude. 
That is good. But solitude is connected to community. So we need, like Samuel, to have that moment of listening, but we need to come back to our community. But my God, you and I need a community of believers that are not just pointing us to success or to security or to our own happiness, but to the Word of the Lord. And so my invitation for you and for me is may we be Christians who are plugged into community where we are listening for the Word of God speaking. I don't mean just in the Bible, but of course, God is, this is a good place to start. He says a lot in here, but that God is still speaking and that it is in line with the true voice, right? So may you be part of Sunday school classes and Bible studies and small groups and Emmaus reunion groups and covenant discipleship groups and Two or three are gathered at the coffee shop or wherever. But may you be in community where you don't just try to say, hey, aren't you screwed up like me? Yeah? Oh, good. Isn't it good we're not alone and being miserable? Yeah, it feels good. Anybody can do that. And there's a place for that. But where we can say, oh, man, I'm a mess. You're a mess, too. But God is still speaking. And let's, let's listen together. And I'll help you here, and you'll help me here. And maybe we'll figure this thing out. Amen?